Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 133 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendations, the Mediterranean chicken. Brennan Escott's a fan of the Texan. All right, look, there's been lots of stuff going, multiple buyouts around the National Hockey League, a couple that surprised uh, people. Some of this has to do with the expansion draft and one guy who knows numbers, knows cap carryovers, all that kind of stuff. We welcome back to the show Hart Levine from Puckpedia. Hart, how are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, all that exciting stuff to talk at, uh, to talk at parties about, right? All right, so uh, explain to the listeners just how significant Bill Guerin's decision is. A lot of people thought Zach Parise was a possibility. Why in your mind did they add Ryan Suter to the buyout list, and how surprised are you that they did that? I, I was quite surprised, um, especially on the Suter part. But I think the, the thinking is the way that the buyout cap hits work, if you don't do it this year, then there's really no point um, because the, the buyout cap hit – it's, it's based on what the buyout cost is, but there's also you have to factor in the difference between the cap it and the compensation due that year. And because these deals were heavily uh, front-loaded, we're, uh, we have one more year where they're going to get a decent salary, and after that it drops right off. So this is the, only the year you'd actually have a savings. It's about $5.2 million per guy this year. After that, the savings is $1.2 next year, and then like less than 200000 the two years after that. So if they waited till next year to do it or a year after that, there's really be no savings at all. And if they feel like Suter, while well, he's maybe okay now, but they're worried about two years from now, I guess the way to look at it is the time to do it is now if you're ever going to do it. Um, but it's still surprising. That's a, that's a big cap hit out there, and you just wonder if there were other options about like retaining salary or taking some bad contracts back. Um, but he did have a no. They did have you know trade protection, and I'm sure that was a big part of it too. Now there is also uh, a carryover here. If these guys retire early, what transpires then theoretically? 
probably relevant now because they were bought out. But, but had, had it, they not bought yeah. out Suter, was there concern that maybe he'd retire with two years left in the deal? Oh, yeah. like they're, Well, either of them, yeah, I mean, because they have the same contract. There were huge potential um, penalties if they were to buy – yeah, if they were to um, – retire early and i think that was also part of it i mean the the penalties were a little less than these bio cap hits but still pretty significant but i think the thinking is well at least this way it's in minnesota or bill Guerin's control as opposed to letting the players dictate when these cap hits might come and again if they if they waited a year or two and then they retired they just get these like the recapture penalties which are pretty close to the buyout if they do it now at least they get one year with a bunch of cap space i mean we'll see what they do with it are they gonna make a big offer on a one-year deal to someone, um, well, well, I guess we'll see. But at least doing it this way as opposed to waiting for them to potentially retire, they get this one one year to sort of spend it all and, and then uh, have to be responsible next year. Just so our listeners are aware, so here is the dead cap amount for the combination of Parisi and Suter this year, $4.74 million. Next year, $12.7 million. <laughs> And the two years after that, $14.7 million. So basically, in 22-23, if we're at an 81.5 cap, the Wilder are basically playing at about $69 million bucks because they got 12.7 tied up in dead cap space. And then the two years after that, if there's no improvement in the cap going up, you're, you're talking about a team that's playing with $67 million because they got 14.7 tied up for Parisi and Suter for 23, 24, and 24, 25. That is crazy. Did these guys get, did, did, did teams like Minnesota get victimized coming out of the 12, 13 lockout because of these type of deals before? What do you think on that, Art? Well, I mean, I certainly am not a big fan of recapture because those deals when they were signed were legal. So it's it's pretty crazy to then go after the fact in a new CBA and say, okay, these deals that you signed were legal. Uh, if these guys retire early, now we're going to give you a penalty. You know, it's like it's like a cops came to your door and said, last year where you where you were driving on the speed limit, we've increased the or we've decreased the speed limit now, now you're getting a ticket when it was perfectly legal last year. So I, I don't like that part. I, I think that was pretty reactionary. Um, but in terms of, you know, what, what their decisions were, so, yeah, I mean, if, if those guys retired in the next couple of years, um, they were going to be facing between 12 and $13 million of dead cap hit for recapture. So, like we said, it's pretty similar. So at least this year they get the savings. But, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of dead cap hit. And they, they must have felt pretty um, confident um, or were betting that these guys weren't going to play out their contract. And if they were injured or something, they weren't going to ride it on LTIR. They were going to actually uh, retire and stick them with these penalties. So it does seem like part of it is the relationship fractured. And, um, you know, there was some, some bad blood between ownership and management and the players. Conversely, you know, we've chatted before. Duncan Keith, if he were to retire this year there, or after this year, there's recapture. But I think we both agree that's extremely unlikely because, first of all, he plans to play. And second of all, he has a good relationship with Chicago and you wouldn't want to stick them with those recapture penalties. So it just shows this is a game about, you know, on the ice and, and numbers, but it's still about relationships. We're joined by Hart Levine from Puckpedia. All right, the next one I want to talk about is Shea Weber because he still has five years left at $7.85 million per. He's another guy that signed a, a 13 well, what was it, a 14- or 13-year deal at that time that he signed with the 14-year deal, $110 million. Let's not forget, the Flyers did an offer sheet on him, and then subsequent to that, the Nashville Predators matched, and then they traded him in a deal for P.K. Subban. Uh, 
there's there's some people believe that he's he may some people believe he isn't playing at all ever again some people think he's not playing for the next year uh, this is going to be interesting to watch is this going to be a situation where the canadians will just basically apply uh ltis LTIR space, similar to what Edmonton's going to do now with Oscar Clefbaum, based upon Ken Holland saying the other day that, you know, chances are very slim Clefbaum plays next season. What's your thoughts on Shea Weber and maybe the the sort of wiggle room that might provide the Montreal Canadiens with? Yeah, well, I think it's with all this recapture talk, like I think it's important to point out for everyone that most of the time the player is not going to retire because if they retire, they don't get the money. And we've seen if the player doesn't really want to play, they can have a rash or a bad back or something and then just go on LTIR. Obviously, Weber has serious injuries, but the difference is if a player actually retires, they don't get paid. If they are injured, they still get paid. So it's pretty rare that a player is going to actually retire. The only example um, where there was money left on the deal was Luongo. Um, and now we're talking maybe, um, you know, Suter and Parisi, maybe they were that was an option because of some bad blood. But I just don't see Weber retiring early because First of all, he'd be giving up the money uh, to potentially not play. Like, who, who doesn't like money for not doing anything, right? And second of all, well, retirement early would really help the Canadians because the recapture penalty would be very small for the Canadians. Um, it would it would stick Nashville with a really big penalty. And again, I just wh- why would a player want to give up money and um, really harm his former organization that I don't think he left on? You know, I don't think he's on terrible terms with. So I think the most likely scenario is on LTIR. And we'll see how long that lasts. Maybe the rest of his career. Maybe maybe he comes back after a year. But it's certainly, um, you know, a player on LTIR. It's not the same as getting rid of the cap hit completely because, as we've talked in the past, there's some consequences of being on LTIR. But certainly, you know, for you know, for the most part, you can now they can spend most of that money towards someone else, especially um, if they don't think he's ever coming back. So it's uh, you know, it, having a player that with a big cap hit that's out and you know he's out and injured is a lot better than having a player with a big cap hit that just isn't very good anymore um, because at least you can put them on LTR and do something with the money. Hart, off the top of your head, which organization's been stung the most with the carryover from bonuses from this past season? Uh, the, the top one is Boston um, because Boston... so. Out of the last uh, CBA or the MOU, there was a one-time option to split um, the carryover over two years, and, and some teams like the Oilers did that. Boston did that, um, but now they have another big um, penalty or carryover for this year. So they're almost at $2 million uh, next year. They're going to have a, a – and just for the listeners, so a carryover is basically performance bonuses. They don't count against the cap uh, the year that they're incurred. At the end of the year, you see what – performance bonuses were earned you add that to the final cap number and if you if that puts you over the cap it's a carryover so all these teams that were in LTIR that means they, they were over the cap meaning all bonuses are going to be uh, a carryover penalty to the next year so Boston's at yeah almost two million um, the Islanders um, with Andy Green are 1.37 million um, Colorado's at 1.7 million, so there's some big ones. Then you get down to the Oilers, so they they had just over 300,000 of a carryover um, for this for this year that the players actually earned, and then the previous year they split their carryover over two years, so there's another about 300,000 from that. So the Oilers' available money this year is about 667,000 um, less because they have these carryover charges. But I, you know, I would argue that's not that significant, and it allowed them 
to give a guy like Mike Smith a contract with more performance bonuses. So I would I would see I would think if they re-sign Mike Smith, they would do something similar with a base and performance bonuses. Maybe they're a little easier to achieve or something, but at least it allows you to push the money from a cap perspective to the next year. It doesn't impact the player at all. If he achieves it, he gets the the bonus. But from a cap perspective, if it's a performance bonus, it allows you to move the money to the next year if you're over the cap. And I I would assume with Klepom on LTIR. Um, or potentially for LTR, the Oilers will finish this this coming year above the cap again, meaning anyone that earns a performance bonus, that that would be another carryover for next year. Interesting stuff. We're joined right now by Hart Levine from Puckpedia. All right, Hart. Uh, I had this conversation with Mark Spector and with Elliot a bit on Seattle. Uh, so they have to be at 60% of the cap. The cap's at 81.5, so let's just round it, make it 80 million. 60% of 80 million is $48 million. Do you envision them being a team taken on? Do you think they're going to be around 48 to, say, 55, 60 million bucks? Or do you think they're going to, like Vegas was a team that spent a bit first, and they've been in on everybody. What's your take on what you're hearing? Because I know you talk to multiple agents around the business uh, for your website, Puckpedia. What do you think Seattle's going to do here? I think that they plan to keep some flexibility, but I don't think they'll be that low. Like, I think, first of all, if you, if you just kind of go through the exercise and pick players, if you're trying to put together a, a decent team that, you know, maybe they don't necessarily aren't trying to push for it in the first year, but just to be respectable, it'd be pretty hard to get through that exercise and be, you know, like less than $70 million just from the players that they're able to select. Um, so while I, I think they're going to keep some flexibility, you know, I, I could see them closer to the $75 million range, whether it's through the players they pick or they do some deals to um, take some bad contracts for an asset, or maybe they sign a UFA or, or two. But I would think they'd be at least $75 million, if not more. But I don't think that they'll take uh, – I don't think they'll be right at the cap, especially even if they do take on some bigger contracts. I just can't see them taking on big contracts with a lot of term um, that are, are not good contracts. But certainly I think they're open and interested in, from what I've heard, um, at least helping to drive up some of the prices on players, the UFAs, because they are kind of getting into the mix a little bit and, and showing some interest in UFAs. But I think, you know, that would, again, if they're going to spend big money long-term, it's going to be on a player that they think is, is really good and that they really want. Um, I don't think they would do that for sort of a bad contract. It got out uh, earlier this week, uh, Darren Drager from TSN reporting, that uh, Zach Hyman's agent, Todd Reynolds, who John Shannon pointed out on yesterday's show, Kyle Dubas at one time worked for, uh, Zach Hyman's uh, camp has permission to seek um, other options where maybe the Leafs could potentially acquire a, a later round draft pick for trading the rights, and this would enable a team to do an eight year deal on Hyman. Do you think Hyman will get an eight year deal? Um, if he does circle back and go with the Leafs, I think that's quite possible. If he gets moved, that 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 would be hard. I could certainly see. I think he's getting a seven year. Uh, deal at least if he goes somewhere else. Eight, I'm not quite sure. Okay. Um, but if, if he does circle back with the Leafs, I think it's going to have to be eight because they're going to want to keep the cap at as low as possible. But I think um, you know, it's an interesting decision. It's really, if, 
you know, teams like Toronto here with Hyman or, or Carolina with Dougie Hamilton, it's actually a, a good decision to let um, the player talk to other teams if you're not close to a deal yet because either they're going to work something out with a new team and you'll get maybe an asset um, to, to trade them either for the rights just because they want to get the deal done or because it's going to be an eight-year deal. But it, otherwise, you know, it, it's good to get a second opinion from the market and at least the player knows what they're comparing to. It's really hard for players to decide to take the offer from their current team when they don't really know what's out there. I mean, obviously there's conversations and they get a ball park but you know you have an offer in your hand from one team with real money and then you've got some like chatter from other teams it's hard to make that decision so i think if if they're not close to a deal let the player go to market get those other offers and then at least the team that has that's what that they're with right now kind of knows what the story is and the player knows what the story is and they can make a decision where you know maybe they do want to give a discount to stay but at least they know how much that is but until you go to market you don't really know what what it is i actually think it increase you know i think there's a better chance of hyman and even hamilton re-signing with their teams um because they got permission than if they they weren't allowed to talk to anyone and they just had to wait to see what would happen on july 28th i i think if that happens then they're kind of out the door because they're waiting to see all this opportunity um but but this way at least they can see what's happening and they have a chance to circle back while there's still time and and maybe bridge some of the gap. All right, Hart, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What's Hyman going to get in the open market? Oh, I will say if he moves on seven years at 5.75 or so, and I would say if he circles back with Toronto, it's eight years at at quite a bit lower, like probably even you know less than Nugent Hopkins. Um, but because, but you have to think about it like this: a guy at his age, this is probably his last contract. So yep. the the years in the cap it is pretty irrelevant. I think he's only looking at total dollars. So you know, uh, you know like a six times six, uh, or no, sorry, even a seven times five point five. That's not much different than like an eight times you know under five, right? So I think uh, yeah, so that that would be my prediction: seven years, you know, between five and a half and six if he leaves in Toronto, eight years um, below Nugent Hopkins. Are you? surprised at the Gabriel Aniscog situation in Colorado? Um, well, surprised in the sense that he's the captain and a big part of their identity, but when you think about who he's dealing with, um, Joe Sackick, like, he, he doesn't mess around, right? He, he has his price, he knows what he wants, and he um, he, he sticks it out, and if it's not gonna, you know, that's not gonna happen, then he'll move on. Like, look at how he played Duchesne brilliantly, right? So, um, you know, I, I could see there maybe a late push to bridge the gap, but I don't, Sackick doesn't seem like the type that's gonna sort of cave to the, the pressure. I think he, he knows what he wants. I still have a hard time thinking that he's going to leave just because of the, uh, you know, the the relationship and, and the longevity there. But if I if I had to, I don't, obviously I don't know where the offers are on either side. But if someone has to give a little more, I would think it's going to come more on the Lannisgog side, just because you see Joe Sackick, he doesn't really blink when, when he's in these kind of staring contests. Do you think Hall signs in Boston? I definitely thought that um, was most likely before um, the fact that he hasn't. You know, that's a a tricky thing right now with the expansion. We don't know how many deals are kind of ready to go, but they're waiting so they don't have to protect them, or how many deals where they're not quite there, but there's no point hammering it out because they know they might as well wait for expansion um, to finish it off. So I, I would have said three weeks ago, I thought for sure he was going to resign, or, or most likely. You know, I think it's a little less likely now, but I still think that I think Boston's the 
uh, that's who I would put the money on as the most likely. Um, but I think Hall, like for, from what I'm hearing too, is he's open to different, um, you know, uh, number of years and dollars. Like I don't, I don't think he's like a, you know, like a, a Hyman or Landeskog. It sounds like they're trying to get the most total dollars. I think um, Hall is one of these guys. You saw last year he took a one-year, eight million dollar deal. I think he's always comfortable betting on himself and sees another contract out there for him, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's a little shorter than some of these other deals. Great stuff, Hart. How do people check out your website at Puckpedia? Go to puckpedia.com. Um, we have an expansion protection tool. Might as well use it here for the, the next few days while it's still relevant, where you can you can see who you want to protect um, for different teams for expansion, and then follow on Twitter at Puckpedia. Awesome stuff. Much appreciate your time, Hart. Thanks, appreciate it. All right, it's 152 in Edmonton. We'll be back in a minute to wrap up uh, Oilers Now with a significant off-ice moment in this day in Oilers history for New West Travel. Hi, this is Oscar Clefbaum from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Shed. It's 153. Let's go to this day in Oilers history for New West Travel. This September, travel a private WestJet charter flight to Whistler, B.C., play four spectacular mountain courses. Details at newwesttravel.com. Here's Brendan Escott. 1988, after helping to sweep the Boston Bruins in the Stanley Cup final, Oilers captain Wayne Gretzky marries actress Janet Jones in front of 700 people here in Edmonton. Uh, They met in 1981 when Wayne was a celebrity judge on a dancing contest. And then they made the uh, cover of McLean's magazine with the headline, The Royal Wedding. 24 days later, he was traded to the uh, LA Kings. This day in Oilers sold, as Glenn Sather said in an interview uh, that he did with us on Oilers Now. Uh, geez, that would have been in 2013, the 25th anniversary of such. We got to dig up that tape at some point, Brendan, get you to replay that uh, on August uh you know, second week of August there. What was it, August 8th or August 9th? Anyhow, this day in Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel. Experience a great golf holiday to Whistler, B.C. on a private jet to play four spectacular mountain courses. Details at newwesttravel.com. Uh, alrighty. Yeah, we did uh, interviews with, uh, we've got, uh, we had Glenn Sather, Bruce Knoll, uh, Wayne Gretzky, Peter Pocklington, all involved in that deal. It was crazy times. But that was a big deal in Edmonton back in uh, 1988. Reed Wilkins says Inside Sports. What's he got shaking? You're going to hear from Ryan uh, Wagman from McKean's Hockey tonight and then former Edmonton Elks safety, your good buddy, Trent Brown. Oh, there you go. There you go, Reed. Bringing, uh, bringing one of the heavy hitters in. Trent Brown coming up tonight. We will be back on Monday. I want everybody to have a terrific weekend. The Oilers will have the protected list in for the expansion draft. Again, the Stauffer protected projected list at this stage is McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto, Pugliarvi, Cassian, and Archibald, along with Nurse, Bear, Keith, the birthday boy, as well as Stuart Skinner. John Shannon will be one of our guests on Monday's show. We'll have lots going on. We might even open up the phone lines on Monday as well. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by Angela Cocot today from 2 to 3 p.m. And then, of course, Jayla and I with the 6.30 Chat Afternoons from 3 to 6. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad.